Good morning, it's Sunday the 21st of May, it's 8 o'clock, you're in bed, we're here, and this is the big kickoff. Morning, Sunday morning, 21st of May. It starts, it starts, Bugo. We're here, finally. The coffee's kicking in now. Two okay. months down the line and we finally made it in. What do you think? I'm delighted. You can't beat this now. A bit of coffee at 8 o'clock in the morning. Good, good morning to everyone. I hope the kids are jumping on the beds and wrecking your heads. <laughs> it's the only reason why we're here, to get away from that. What have we got on the show today, Bugs? Uh, well, the top three things on the show today, we've got Andrew Mangan uh, from top uh, Arsenal blog, arsblog.com. Yes, I did say that correctly. He's on about Arsenal's woes and everything that's gone on this season with Arsenal. We've got uh, Shamrock Rovers manager Stephen Bradley on. hope he's in a good humour after a defeat on Friday. Please God. Yeah. We'll wait and see. I hope he's had a coffee. And we've got a great little special uh, about sport and courses, obviously with the kickoff of the championship this week with Mayo kicking off today. So uh, we're just going to spread a little bit of hope for Mayo that they are there to be broken. So all of you reveal later on. Do you think it'll actually... Uh, Not for Mayo this year, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, only, it's only Dublin, is it? Oh, Dubs all the way. Okay, I think we'll uh, start with a song. Kick off the show. We had, uh, what was his name? Andrew Mangan. <laughs> Andrew Mangan. From arsblog.com. Uh, uh, and we did uh, an, an interview with him during the week. We recorded it because Andrew couldn't make it on this morning. And this is what Andrew had to say. While the Premier League is done and dusted and the bottom three are preparing for life in the Championship, one of the only things left brewing up a storm are questions over some of the high-profile managers in high-profile clubs in the league. One of those clubs are Arsenal Football Club. And joining us today from one of football's most popular podcasts is Andrew Mangan from arsblog.com, podcast Arscast. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Couple of stats, just throw them out there. EFL Cup, <laughs> fifth round. FA Cup final, Champions League round of 16, 10-2 on aggregate, League fifth, and a possible possible 11 points behind Spurs. How can you sum up Arsenal's season? Underwhelming. <laughs> That'd be a good way of putting it. I think, um, yeah, look, it's, it's, been, it's been difficult, you know, because there was a lot of promise in the early part of the season because Arsenal had bought players. Maybe they bought them a little bit too late in the season. Uh, you know, you, you think of uh, the striker and the centre half that should have come in before the season began, but they came in at the end of August. And, you know, the disappointment of the opening day of the season was tempered very much by by the fact that Arsenal went on a 19-game unbeaten run. They didn't lose from August to December, and there was actual genuine hope that this this team could mount a title challenge, but the second half of the season has, has, um, has made sure that that didn't happen. You know, that was the big problem. Things just sort of gradually got worse and worse and worse, and they hit a rock bottom and, uh, and came back strongly towards the end of the season. Um, but, you know, it... 
when you, when you're looking for your team to challenge for the title and they end up as far away as they did from Chelsea, then it's it's always a disappointment. Yeah, yeah. We, and I think you, with, with 15,000 empty seats the other night, that's a reflection on, on uh, it's it's not just uh, one or two anymore who have the ideas on, on, on Wenger's reign. It's, uh, it's very widespread now. Yeah, look, I mean, I think you, you, you can't necessarily say that all those 15,000 people stayed away as a protest against Arsene Wenger. I think the the big issue is is just apathy. Uh, Tuesday night game against Sunderland is not the most attractive fixture anyway, but if Arsenal were in that game, let's say, to to extend their lead at the top of the table going into the final day or to stay in touch you know, with the, with the league leaders, that stadium would have been full. And it's a reflection of what's happened on the pitch, certainly. Yeah, and what, 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 in your opinion, what do you think the Arsenal's problems are? What's holding them back? Is it just the manager? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good question. Look, uh, if it was one thing, it would be easy to fix. That's, that's the issue that I have with it. You know, I, I think Arsenal need a new manager. Uh, I've been of that opinion since the end of last season. Really, I felt like this should be the final season for Arsene Wenger. There was no real need to extend his contract. Um, but there are other issues. You know, there's an ownership issue. There are issues where the football club is in a... Like, it's the structures at the football club are, are relatively similar to the way they were when Arsene Wenger took over. There, there are more staff. The club is modernized a little bit. But what you've got is one man, a manager, a, ma- a supremo over, over many areas of the club. And that's just not the way that football clubs operate at this moment in time. So that's something that they have to... They, figure out and put in place you know the the classic director of football football executives people who on the arsenal board understand the game of football understand arsenal football club understand what what it is to to be a football club that has big ambitions the arsenal board talk an absolutely fantastic game if the arsenal team could talk as well as the Arsenal board have talked down the years. They would be Champions League winners five years in a row. They'd have won the Premier League five years in a row. They talk about ambition. They talk about wanting to be as big as Bayern Munich. They talk about how great everything is, but the reality is very different. And there there are many issues at Arsenal. So there aren't just... The, the idea that a new manager will come in and make everything better is fanciful, I think. Um, which isn't to say a new manager shouldn't come in, but people should be prepared for things to be perhaps a little more turbulent when that happens than they should be or could be so andrew in it's dave here sorry mate and basically what have you seen over the last say two to three months from the rumor mill gathering pace about whether he's going to go or whether he's not and then obviously the question that was put towards him about the director of football what's your initial feelings from the body language and whatever is happening with the club at the minute with Wenger is he the type that will slip away quietly and maybe announce it on Sunday or is he do you think he's still determined to stick it out and and bring him back again well I I don't think I don't think there's going to be any announcement on Sunday because there's still the FA Cup to play for you know so there'll be no announcement until after the FA Cup my feeling is probably that he will extend and the club will extend okay Um, because I don't think for a second that the club have any uh, contingency plans I don't think they've got anything else lined up other than Arsene Wenger. And, you know, if you if you start going into June or July and you haven't got a manager, you know, there's a mm. lot of work to do. There's a lot of things to sort out in terms of players coming and going. And, if, you know, so I, I feel it feels to me like the the least uh, the, the thing that will give them the least hassle is to extend Arsene Wenger's contract. And I think that will probably happen whether Arsenal win the cup or not. 
um, mm. because I just don't think they've got anything else in place. I think he wants to stay, and I don't think he wants to leave Arsenal after a season that has gone as badly as it did. I, I feel like he wants to to prove himself or yeah. to not leave the club in, in, in that way. He must know it's gone wrong. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's complicated. You hear talk of boardroom rifts. You hear talk of rifts between the chief executive and Arsene Wenger. Whatever's going on, I'm not sure of the absolute truth of it. Whatever's going on, though, yeah. what we can say is that it is a, it's an unhealthy situation for Arsenal as a football club, a club that has prided itself on doing things the right way, on being extremely well run on being professional all that seems to have slipped away in the last 12 or 18 months and if Wenger does go or if he decides to walk away or if the club don't decide to renew his contract it, i i've got i'm terrified about what's going to happen because <laughs> who is at that club that's going to make the decision about who's going to be the new manager there are n there's nobody yeah there's nobody there with the knowledge or the, basically the knowledge of the game. Ivan Gazidis is the chief executive. We haven't heard a thing yeah. from him since last year. He hasn't had a word to say about what's cool. going on at Arsenal, uh, which is pretty shameful um, for a chief executive. He's got to be visible. Uh, from what I hear, he's stayed very much in the background, very deliberately in the background. And I, I, I just, you know, I'm at a at my wit's end, really trying to figure out all the permutations of it. But if you if you ask me to put money on who would be manager next season, I think I'd put uh, a fiver on Arsene Wenger for sure. <laughs> right. Not mu not much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a bit of a power struggle then? In do you think in the board that half want to go, half want them to stay? Do you think or? It's, yeah, I mean. I, I don't know because it's yeah. who, who wants him to go. Who is the guy that, that wants him to, to stay yeah, and who wants him to go? And, uh, you know, there's there's the owner, Stan Kroenke, and his son, Josh Kroenke, who, you know, are American investors and they have sports franchises in the U.S., but you'd have to say their knowledge of English football is limited. Mm. There's a chairman, Sir Chips Keswick, who is a figurehead who's been out of the club for a while, but is basically a figurehead. Uh, you've got Ivan Gazidis, who's the chief executive. And after that, you know, it's not as if this is a board full of people yeah. with football ambition who've got knowledge of the game and have been there and done that down the years. You know, nobody at that football club has any experience of A, sure. firing a manager or B, hiring a manager. Nobody. Um, so <laughs> it, it could well be a power struggle. Wenger is close with Kroenke. Kroenke might see this as the path of least resistance to him. Wenger produces good financials, everything else. So it, it, it's really hard to know because nobody is saying anything. That's the thing. And as fans, you're looking at it going, well, look, at least give us some kind of clarity. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're not getting it. But sometimes you have to be careful what you wish for because uh, mm -hmm. Tony Adams might be in uh, for a <laughs> shout soon. <laughs> and we've seen his coaching abilities. <laughs> uh, He's got a dance video. He has to have a dance video coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, look, if, if, player, but, yeah. Ah, he was. He was a legend for Arsenal. If if Wenger stays, um, what would the Arsenal fans be looking for from him? In in a, maybe in uh, his his buying policy. I mean, his buying policy from what from from the outside, it looks like it's always been technical, but not always uh, strong technical, but not always uh, strong mentality, and that's shining true over the years. Um, the problem is it's 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 not it used to be two three four players now it seems to be eight nine players of that 
similar ilk in uh, on the team. Is there a view that maybe uh, he needs to go back to maybe uh, they say always say the old sort of British style player who mm. do they need to go back to that kind For of example Tony policy? Adams. Well, look, if you could find a Tony Adams, you'd take a Tony Adams, (laughs) you know, but those guys are are fairly few and far between. I think what if he does stay, it's going to annoy a lot of people. A lot of people will be very unhappy about it. But, you know, I think there's a couple of things that he could do. One is to ensure that Arsenal keep Mesut Ozil and Alexis Sanchez. Another thing that he could do is to bring in a big, big name player. Somebody who somebody of that quality, of that caliber, of that mental strength, of that desire uh, of that ambition, you know, who wants to win things, but who will really, really improve the team, bring in a player like that, but also maybe ship out some of the guys who have, as you say, uh, lacked some of those characteristics, guys who have been there for a good few years, who haven't quite hit their potential, who've never quite done what they said they were going to do or what people hoped they would do, you know, get, show some ruthlessness with your squad, yeah. admit that there have been problems acknowledge those problems say thank you very much indeed to those players and bring in different players and guys who might just have a little bit more spine uh, uh, during the periods of the season when things aren't going well for Arsenal so you if, know guys who can help drag you across the line in tight games yeah if, if, if the poor strings uh, if there was no problems with poor strings which is not always the way with Arsenal but if they were ready to splash the cash um, what two players would, would, would you like to see come in Oh my goodness! Um, I, only it's, two. It's only two now. <laughs> well, look, I think the 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 two areas I think Arsenal need to look at are striker and central midfield. They need to really uh, address those two areas. Central midfield, in particular, has been a, a, a big problem for Arsenal this season, and I ca- I can't tell you which player I would like in there. To be perfectly honest, I, d- I don't know who it is. Um, maybe someone like Verratti from PSG, seeing as we're being absolutely um, living in a fantasy world yeah, here, right? Yeah. Um, you said purse strings are no option. Um, we'll we'll uh, ignore all the other issues as to why he might not want to come to Arsenal, but let's say him. And I think if the other position Arsenal need to to address is striker. They need a striker. They need somebody who can play up front and provide them with some cutting edge that they haven't had. Alexis was given a go there, but he's a guy who can get you 25 goals from the wide well, positions. Yeah, yeah. Giroud's yeah. a reliable scorer, but he's a 15, 20 goal a yeah. season striker. Danny Welbeck, a good player, but 10 or 15 goal a season striker. They need someone who can bang in 20, 25 goals as the center forward. And if you were to ask me who I'd like, uh, I'd take Griezmann, uh, Antoine Griezmann from Atletico Madrid. It's, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. <laughs> you might not get the foolish job. foolish enough, but you know, we're, we're, uh, we're playing a bit of fantasy football here, and I'd yeah. take him in a heartbeat because I think he would really add something to the team, both as a player and as a character. And say Champions League football doesn't happen this year, Arsenal can take the hit financially for the season, can they? Well, I, I think it's it's different now. You know, the a few years ago, finishing in the top four gave you a distinct financial advantage yeah. uh, over other Premier League teams. There was a there was a gulf, a big gap between what those top four teams were earning and what the rest of the teams in the Premier League were earning. That has been equalized to a large extent by the big money that's been on offer in the last two TV deals from from Sky and from BT. So mm. the financial side of the Champions League is not necessarily as important as it was. It's not to say it's unimportant. It certainly provides more money than the Europa League. But what it does is it, it, it's 
something for the reputation of the club, right? It's, uh, yeah. you know, who, who do you want to play? In? Or even if you go out in the round of 16, as Arsenal do every season, and it's frustrating and annoying, but, mm. you know, fans want to see games against Juventus, against Bayern Munich, against Barcelona, against Real Madrid, against PSG, against the big clubs in Europe, and in the Europa League, until you get to those knockout stages, chances are you are not going to be playing teams like that. You're going to be playing... I'm not going to say second-rate teams, that's unfair, but you're going to be playing teams who just aren't good enough to get into the Champions League, who don't have that same appeal. They don't have the same draw to fans. So I think it's managing that side of things as uh, you know, from the players' point of view. Players mm. want to be in the Champions League, um, and that, that's where it might provide a, a bit of difficulty. I don't think it's going to affect Arsenal too greatly financially, but from a reputational point of view, I think it's something they're going to have to contend with. Yeah. Absolutely. So listen, I was going through uh, the Ars blog there and I seen you had Ian Royce on uh, yeah. a podcast. How I presume you've had a few guys over the years. Who has been the most fun for you? I think Ian Wright. It was just yeah. a few weeks ago. Was it and down he to was the fact that he was a big yeah, hero of yours or he was just that good? Um, he, He's just a really funny guy. He loves Arsenal. He's really passionate. He was, he was really happy to sit down and talk about everything that was going on. You know, we've had some good people on down the years. Yeah. You know, Perry Groves. We've had Ray Parler. We've had Lee Dixon. You know, good guys and... Uh, you know, good. They tell good stories and everything else. But but Ian Wright has just got that something a little bit special. Um, so yeah, he'd be he'd be somebody we'll have back on soon, hopefully, because uh, everybody loved that episode. Brilliant. And how long how long is um, the podcast going now? It's been going for um, ten years. Two thousand and six, it started. Um, so it was very early on in the world of podcasting. So uh, does, does that mean that you haven't won a league title <laughs> in your time with the podcast? <laughs> I Come here, listen. I started the, started the blog in two thousand and two, and the first the first year of the blog, we won the double. The oh, next okay. year, we won the FA Cup. We should have won the league that year. The next year. We um we won the season without losing a game, the invincible yeah. season. The year after that, we won the FA Cup. Then we got to the Champions League final. I, st I started a podcast and it all went downhill <laughs> yeah, from there. <laughs> so, maybe. so it's my fault. We've got to shut it down. got to shut it down. Well, listen, uh, Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, hopefully, and maybe we'll get you back on again when, uh, when Arsenal's uh, success uh, starts to peak again hopefully it doesn't coincide with the downfall of Arscast and uh, and, and blog because it, <laughs> uh, from a not a, an Arsenal fan uh, but uh, a footballing fan I really enjoyed the, the, the podcast that just had and that's one of the reasons why we got you on today oh well listen uh, my pleasure and look anytime you want me feel free to get in touch brilliant thanks very much Andrew much Mankin. appreciate it. thanks many Andrew cheers. cheers guys okay thanks Andrew broadcasting to Lucan this is Liffy Sound 96.4 FM Welcome back. Okay, we're going to go to the papers. And we got a few papers in this morning. There's not a hell of a lot in it, but we have a few stories, books. Yes, we do indeed. We have a classic one here. And parents of teenagers who are constantly playing FIFA, don't be so harsh. Uh, a young guy called Sean Springer, who's 18 years of age from London, uh, was struggling with school because he was starting to get into his FIFA online tournaments. And uh, the brave man decided to quit and he qualified to the European qualifiers and ended up in the, I think it was the European version uh, champions uh, of the ultimate team uh, in Berlin this weekend. Right. He got it all the way to the final and won himself $80,000. 80 grand. Yeah. For playing FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> nice weekend's work. And what, what, what way does that work? Is it, what, what? Console? You play online from home. Well, it's both PlayStation and Xbox, but basically you play 
online at home and do qualifiers and go through various regions and whatever. And yeah. obviously he went through local and national and now he's in, it was the European and he got, he literally got into it in the last six months and uh, quit school, quit his A-levels and now he's 80 grand richer. God, I'm going to get Adam I think it's a quarter of a million to win the world championship. I'm not sure the exact, I think it's a quarter of a million. Right. But there's a constant uh, flow and of tournaments to make money. Like what, there's what pros way, out there. What way did, you were talking something about the final. What oh, the went? final is uh, ever so fancy. It's uh, over two legs, uh, one on the PlayStation and one on the Xbox. So that's your home and away because I think the guy who was playing is, a, is an Xbox player. So he actually lost his home game uh, on, uh, on the PlayStation. On the PlayStation. That's I think it was 2-1 or whatever. And then in the Xbox, he was 3-2 up with a couple of minutes to go in the game. And <laughs> he would have won on away goals. They even do away goals. No way. <laughs> but uh, the guy from uh, Germany, or if, uh, it was a friend of Germany, I can't remember. But uh, yeah, he got a last minute winner and put him out anyway. And he won 100,000 or something like that. That's brilliant. So there you go. Maybe I'm we'll, going home to practice. Maybe we'll start that up, will we? <laughs> Absolutely. Neil Dobbs might be listening in. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, I have one thing here and I'm loving this one alright it's right, uh, on. you know the way uh, retrospective action is in Scotland and yeah. they're going to bring yeah. it in to uh, the Premier League uh, next year yeah. and there's a couple of managers who liked it some of them didn't I think Sam Allardyce didn't really wasn't, no he wasn't, wasn't a big fan of that straight away but uh, Robert Hoot yeah, I have I'm going to join his club <laughs> if he has a fan club I'm in with him because 100% this is a quote from Robert Hood. Great. Adding pretending to be injured and crying when you lose. Uh, are we really getting somewhere? So I, I'm, I'm 100% behind him because one thing I can't stand, and, I, and I, this just maybe is a personal thing, but I on can, the soapbox, everyone get ready. I cannot stand seeing men crying at the end of a football game. I think it's, I, I can't understand it. I can understand. Would you ever cry be, if you won a trophy? I wouldn't cry if I won it and I wouldn't cry if I lost it. I'd be very disappointed. But I don't, I don't see what... But there's more and more crying. And I think it's something that's being brought up in society <laughs> that maybe mammies are pampering their kids too much. Oh, Possibly daddies fault. too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So, Robert Hoot. Roy by name and Roy by nature. <laughs> Next, we'll go. Speaking of uh, video um, refereeing, it's on in the Under-20 World Cup currently going on in South Korea. And England were playing Argentina in a group game yesterday. And basically, the quote is for the VAR, the video assistant referee, it's any match change in decisions, for example, goals, penalties, red cards, or cases of mistaken identity. And one controversial decision yesterday, which didn't look quite straightforward, was, don't know the guy's name, but the, an Argentinian guy got sent off for an elbow to an English player yesterday. And if you look at it, it's, it's a tough one. They called yeah. it. They've sent them off. That's fine. It's done. At least he had a look at it. It wasn't missed, but it was a bit of a grey when it wasn't a blatant. It was hard to tell whether he knew exactly what he was doing or not. It looked like the arms were just up to yeah. protect himself. So maybe certain instances like that might get put away and they might just leave it to goals or penos or stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah, there's going to be a grey area when, when it's going to take it all Players start, always so. find a way. And there's always going to be controversy. Yeah. So again, the papers, the match of the days, now they're always going to, you know, any, yeah. any sort of rugby, whatever it is, they're always going to have controversy no matter what you do. Uh, you're hoping to limit that, I think. Isn't that but it's a start and it's always, it's, it's going to help without a shadow, especially the diving. Like they had to do something. They had, they had to, yeah. yeah. And if they don't, if they don't stamp down hard on them, then it's yeah. You know, because funny enough, now we had a, we had a training session the other night with uh, underage, and this is under nines, right? <laughs> and one of the lads lost the ball and dived onto the ground. 
and then held his shin and then rolled around and then opened one eye and looked up. <laughs> so you can see it coming into the game oh, slightly. Well, you know, I think Robbie Savage had a rant about it that, yeah. that this wasn't happening at lower, but I, I don't. He's lies. Yeah, it's, it's nonsense. You can see it happening an awful lot in, in the game. Um, another one. Funny enough, it's uh, about Roy Keane. Oh, here we go. <laughs> but did you see this? Um, the Limerick City. Now, I don't know if this is a publicity yeah. stunt. I don't know if it's a publicity yeah, stunt. Yeah. Quite possibly could be. But there is a couple of uh, couple of people saying otherwise. Limerick City board uh, had offered Roy Keane the manager's job at Limerick, uh, at Limerick City grand. last week before uh, they took in, what was it, Neil McDonald? Yeah. He was Sam's number two. Sam's number two, yeah. I think he was at Villa as well, yeah, wasn't he? And yeah. was he with uh, was he with Staunton under the Ireland reign? I think he might have been. I think he might have come in. Anyhow, 250,000 yeah. they were uh, going to offer Roy Keane. Now, I presume it's a part-time that he can do it in conjunction with the no, Irish job. No, I think it was, it was full-time. Full now, that would have been t- he would have been dropping 250,000 from the, from the money he's getting from the Ireland job. Yeah. Anyhow, but does that show intention or does... I mean, how could Limerick City afford 250000 for the year unless there's a big money man who's deciding to if we can get in the right manager I'll back you all the way yeah. um, as long as he's willing to blow his money and expect none of it back now there is talk that there's uh, a bit of a gap for uh, wealthy businessmen to try and the easy route to get into the Champions League yeah. is through Ireland <laughs> obviously it is and yeah, Dundalk uh, sparked up the European adventures mm. I know Shamrock Rovers did it before but Dundalk sparked it up last year with, uh, with a great run so maybe that's what they're looking at maybe they're looking Possibly. at yeah, there could be so, so we, keep an, we keep an eye on that and I actually don't know if that was a stunt or not but we'll yeah. find out on due course it's still a good it's a good move for him to get in Neil McDonald anyway yeah no, yeah, yeah, no. He'd, he'd be very good providing he, he comes over and he doesn't take it lightly as Dave Barry called out a few of uh, the foreign contingent from Sligo the other day that's right yeah yeah yeah, that was on what? Uh, Soccer, Soccer Republic. Republic. Yeah. Shoot, what have we got? Uh, I've got some boxing here. Uh, one of our own, Barry McGuigan, has come out with a bold statement in the mirror today. And its quote is, Watch out, Katie Taylor. Here comes my new recruit, Chantelle Cameron. She uh, is more to, she's more famous for her kickboxing, but she's been in the GB Sporting Elite, the boxing elite for a few years. And last year, she didn't make it into the Olympics for whatever reason, um, but she defeated the gold medalist in the test event in Rio beforehand. So basically, he said, "Yeah, we're coming to get you. We've got somebody as as good." Um, and he like obviously uh, Natasha Jonas. She was uh, she's been out for a few years because uh, she had a child, but she was in the same uh, weight division as Katie Taylor, and she's back. So local weight division could be getting nice and tidy, and you never know. You might have some all female uh, about or events coming up pretty soon. Well, if you look at the Katie Taylor fights, they've mm. been exciting. Yeah, exactly. I know, absolutely. Now, obviously, we're Irish and we want to see Katie yeah. Taylor do well, but. Just in the fights and at the Olympics, uh, what's that? Nicola Adams. Nicola Adams, yeah. Yeah, for uh, Great Britain. They've been really exciting fights and actually might put a bit more excitement back into boxing yeah. because they've been grasping for uh, yeah. you know big fights. Exactly. You know, Klitschko and, and uh, that couldn't have come in a better. Time. Joshua was brilliant. Yeah. You know, and and you're getting the odd one here and there now. Yeah. Of course, you're going to have McGregor fighting Mayweather, <laughs> which is, it, it's going to probably be the biggest fight in the whole year. Slash scam. Slash scam, slash moneymaker. Yeah. But, you know, at least it's bringing some sort of publicity to, you know, the sports yeah. no, and, and exactly. excitement yeah. and, and what have you. But I think the women's boxing, 
that, that could be the route to go down because yeah. I think that there's a lot of good female boxers that you've seen coming up through through the ranks. You know, I'm I, I, I'd be looking forward to that now. Yeah. And another quick one on boxing. There was outrageous scenes at a world title fight last night with Andre Durrell, who is, I think, the, he's now the mandatory challenger for Britain's James DeGales world title at uh, middleweight. Uh, his, he's from, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, but his Venezuelan uh, opponent hit him twice after the bell, and Durrell was unable to carry on, so he won by the other guy being disqualified. But his uncle, who's uh, his manager and whatever else, obviously somebody to welch off him, I like to to leech off him anyway but anyway he came in gives it the big one uh, to the trainer and the whole lot but while he's talking to the trainer he knows exactly what he's about to do yeah. next and he just whips out the left hook and clocks the, the, the fighter full oh. force in the face and throws in a few combos all hell breaks loose it's carnage don't worry I'm sure it's all over YouTube Andre Durrell mass brawl go get it it's, it's just nuts they're getting on it straight away uh, <laughs> um, rugby Munster won yesterday. Yeah. Did you see any of it? Uh, I didn't see much of Munster. I watched a bit of Leinster the other night. That was disappointing. Uh-huh. Now, in fairness, Shane Bourne called it in early AM on the Friday morning. He said, if anyone is going to pull off a shock, it'll be more Scarlets because they're coming into form at the right time. While Ospreys are on the other are on the slide. So he didn't say he still expected Leinster to win. But at the same time, you know, don't be surprised if it's a lot closer than you think. And it turned out to be underwhelming for, for underwhelming Leinster. Underwhelming is the word. Yeah. And I had to watch it on uh, the TG in a car. <laughs> Couldn't understand the bloody word I was going to say. Simon Zebo's try. Ah. Was it a brilliant try or was it... Because uh, I heard, this is an amazing try. It was a good team try, I yeah. thought. I everyone thought gets hyped up, but it was, it's just an all-round great team try. Like, and you can't beat it, but everyone has to say everything's the most spectacular thing ever and then you look and you go you just did that so I could look at it but no it genuinely was a great try okay. great team try yeah, my lack of rugby knowledge yeah and uh, just one quick one uh, a guy called David Wicks and no it's not EastEnders uh, David Wicks uh, plays college golf in America he's from Britain and uh, another one that you'll probably see on YouTube it's a classic story um, it's a qualifier for the NCAA championships which is the National Collegiate Athletic Association yeah. it, it's qualified to the final of the it's a team golf event and he marked his ball on the green uh, picked his ball up had it in his hand went to get out a scorecard to have a look at something but he dropped his ball and it hit the hill and went into the water and he in a panic looking around for the referee he goes oh you're fine but you have to get that ball otherwise it's a two stroke penalty so basically oh so you have to use the ball yeah you have to finish the hole with the ball any golfers on I'm guessing that's the real stuff. Anyone wants to moan about it, yeah, you know where we are. Go on, tell uh, So basically, shoes came off, socks came off, top came off, oh, no. trousers came off. There he is in the underwear, jumps into the lake. He had five minutes. How high? Was uh, it waist high? Or? Yeah, just below waist high. Right. So yeah, there he is, maybe even knee high. But basically, yeah, yeah he found about 20 balls. None of them were his. And unfortunately, he had to take the two-stroke penalty. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So what's the moral of the story? Make sure you're using the yellow ball. Well, no, just make sure you put your ball in your pocket before you take your scorecard out. But um, he still managed to bring it back, parred the last seven in a row, and uh, they managed to qualify for the finals. So oh, nice. He managed nice. to turn it around, but yeah. So it's a story to tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, last but not least, I want to say congratulations to St. Moctis, who won the Leinster, Leinster Senior League uh, title last yeah. night. Uh, great win against Wayside 4-0. Uh, they needed... Uh, it was. Bluebell to cover themselves they needed Crumlin. yeah Crumlin and Bluebell were playing in the other game and Crumlin were two points behind both Bluebell and Moctis 
and Moctis were two goals behind Bluebell, so they needed a couple of goals just in case Bluebell won Bluebell as well. well. They managed to do. Unfortunately both. for Bluebell, they lost out in goal difference. But incredible, they got the win in, in, in. They got the win in Crumlin, so there you go. But that's that's life. And did you see the French Division Two on on Friday night? No, the top six all could have won the league in the last game of the season. And Strasbourg were top, needed a win. Obviously, they got the win, but MEN were sixth in the 94th minute, got a last-minute winner to slip into the, the top two and get automatic promotion. No oh, way. Yeah. Good finish. Ah, cracking finish. Okay. Yeah, back after the break. You're listening to Liffy Sound, www.liffysoundfm.ie. Listen online, community radio at its best. Okay, welcome back. We're going to do a new segment now, which is... Uh, Let's just say it's like real in the years, way, way better. But uh, we're going to, it's an excuse to play some crackers from back in the day. This is Back in Time. Okay, first one up. Um, well, obviously we go with a bit of a clue. It's it's only a bit of a crack because Shano doesn't know the year. So anyone at home who wants to have a bit of fun and try not to Google it, there's no no great prizes because we can't afford them. There's no prizes. No. <laughs> so basically, Jamie ba- has a half a donut outside. That's our technical <laughs> yeah, uh, engineer. Here. Is that what your title is, Jamie? A technical engineer. <laughs> so he has a ha- half donut or is that left? Nothing left. There's nothing left. Yeah. So no, there's no prize. I like the chocolate off the bag. If there's any. <laughs> <laughs> that is wrong. Go on, get the sound. Anyway, going. first up in December of this year, our wonderful uh, uh, government announced uh, a new light rail system, which was to be known as the Lewis, or as other people like to know, uh, call it as the Jerry Lee. But uh, first up uh, is Pulp. Coming up next, here's the famous quote first, and. Uh, this is something that's definitely going to take people back. This is uh, Johnny. Have you got? Oh, we're okay. Yeah, yeah, we're all right. Here we go. This is Johnny Cochran. Those didn't fit. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. And indeed, and it didn't. It didn't fit. And famous uh, American footballer O.J. Simpson literally got away with murder. But was he only famous? Did, did you know O.J. Simpson before that? I didn't know the juice as he's commonly known as. I've seen plenty of documentaries because it's just fascinating. Um, no, didn't know much about him. Uh, obviously, at the time when I seen his face, I went, oh, that's the guy from Naked Gun. Naked Gun, yeah. But uh, no, had no idea. But now I know literally nearly everything and anything <laughs> yeah. about him because it's just a fascinating story. And so many documentaries out there and they're well worth a watch any of them because... He obviously didn't do it because he was acquitted, wasn't he? <laughs> don't, don't, no, I, I, could, I could talk about this for two hours. <laughs> there's, there's so much. But uh, yeah, I nearly said the year there, but uh, we're going to an absolute classic dance tune from this year. This is Entrance with Set You Free. Last but not least, I think this is the clincher for you now, Roy. Uh, our glorious leader, our one and only true glorious leader, Saint Sir Master Jack Charlton resigned in, I think obviously it was November of this year after the defeat to Holland and Anfield. Just bloody kick the ball! <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and also uh, the English came and ruined our party in February of this year when we were one 0 up against them after Dave Kelly scored. Ah, when, uh, do you remember watching that game? Heartbreak! I should have been at the game. Um, we had that morning we were we were offered tickets, um, but they were in the English section. And my dad went, "No, it's okay," and uh, kind of glad now. <laughs> in fairness, needed. I could have been that game on the pitch, getting free trips everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it could have. Uh, it needed a bit of refurbishment, anyhow. So and. I have to say, 
uh, it was great. I know it's it, it's not great to see uh, you know violence, vandalism, yeah. or anything like that, but. Uh, <laughs> The, the police stepped up to the mark and, and we've always you know been known whack attack in, in, in the, do you know when they, 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 they pop up in the, in the, <laughs> yeah. the hammer and you say yeah. that's what some of them look like with the baton and the lads going around the place uh, so yeah you know the year now obviously it, yeah, I'm not going to say let other people with, with, uh, we, we all know anyway but here's the last song this is Blur with Charmless Man come on Royston you have to tell me what it is you know 95 95 the one and only top tune of that year was Celine Dion Baby Think Twice I think or I can't remember the exact one any any reason why you wouldn't let me play that considering <laughs> something you just told me earlier on yeah well first of all she's shocking but uh, <laughs> why did you go see her then uh-huh. <laughs> was it, it for a girl yeah, it was and it would have been back in the early days when you would do anything absolutely <laughs> anything and uh, for what? Oh and anything you know what? for what? I oh, anything for love? I just want. I couldn't even say I won't do that. I did it. <laughs> but you know the 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 biggest problem I had with her was uh, one hour. She was on for one hour and she legged it. And I think the tickets were astronomical at that stage. Probably twenty pound. Punts. Yeah. Punts. <laughs> pound kids. And pound. I, about, I think it was about eighty or ninety punts at the time. Christ. It was ginormous. Easy and, money for her. And she was shocking. Oh, I like the way it is. Good save. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So what have we got? We're going to do... Um, Want to go on a break for ourselves? <laughs> we'll do a, a sporting story, will we? We will indeed. So each week we're going to do a, a different sporting story. Um, uh, it, it can be any anyone's. Uh, we've looked at one from Harry Redknapp. And this is about uh, Paolo Di Canio. Uh, Paolo, I think, is, as everyone knows, is a bit of a... a, a an enigma. An enigma. And yeah. this is his madness. Play uh, a player that, that, that Harry uh, took, uh, the one and only Paolo Di Canio. Captain to my captain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's his name. He, he turned, he turned. Yeah, yeah. I cried. Every time. The ten times I, I watched on television this movie, yeah. ten times I... Yeah. That's a... <laughs> He's absolutely mad. I was at Birmingham one day in a, in a cup cup game, at, and uh, we were one up. And right on half time, they scored him a free kick, and he's supposed to have been lining up the wall or whatever. And so we come in, and Shaka goes, "Oh, he said, Paolo, you were supposed to. Oh, you blame me." Off he went. He went into one, right? You know them big Gatorade things, you know the big, the yeah. massive ones. He picks this up above his head now, and he it was wobbly. It was so heavy, and I've got a nice suit on. I'm I'm, un, I'm hiding under the table. I swear, he's going round the dresser room about a minute, and everybody's ducking the land. In the end, he threw it. And it drifted in slow motion all over Shaka's suit, all over the gear. Oh, he was balmy, you know. I don't play no more. Carlo. Okay. He goes out second half, scored. You know, the best one ever we played. It's a true story. We played Bradford City at home. Sorry. Do you remember? Yeah. I think we were. 4-2 down. Yeah, oh, I remember going. Yeah. Right, he's had three blatant penalties. They were penalties, yeah. all turned down. Now, he goes to me, oh, the last penalty he gets it to, go out subs, comes walking over to the touchline. I don't play. I said, Paolo, he sits on the floor, I swear, in front of the dugout, crosses his arms, 
And then he goes <laughs> like that. I don't play no more. I'm saying, Paolo, get up. We're losing 4-2 to Bradford, Paolo. Get up, Paolo. Paolo, get up quick. They, next thing, they're dribbling the ball around him. He's still sitting on the floor, wasn't he, Rob? They go through. Dean Saunders, while he's sitting on the floor, misses an open goal to make it 5-2. Because Stephen Bywater came on That's a sub right, yeah, yeah. after five minutes. They had four shots, and every goal, every shot went underneath him or yeah. through his legs. Like he didn't save a yeah, ball kid in a nightmare. The crowd started singing Paolo de Canio. It was like the old Mackerson advert before you were born. <laughs> and this Mackerson bottle used to jump up and dribble yeah, with a yeah. ball. <laughs> Paolo de Canio, they're all singing. Oh, he jumps up. <laughs> Next thing he gets the ball, I swear. He was there. He beats four players. We go through, bang, bang, we score. We're back in the game. Suddenly, two minutes later, he goes through again. He goes up, bang, four all. Two minutes to go, we get a penalty. Frank Lampard picks the ball up. Parlo comes over. They're pulling the ball. In the end, he won't let go, Parlo. Frank sees it. In the end, Frank, he went up a minute in it. Pulling the ball. Pulling the ball. Parlo puts, takes Frank. Oh, I can't win this argument. Puts the ball. Parlo puts the ball down. He runs back. Runs up and smashed the ball. The goalie died full length, nearly at his end on the goalpost, and Polo chipped the ball. It took half a minute to, to go in. And it dripped, dropped and dropped, and it just dropped in the back of the net. And the goalie was laying on the floor. Incredible. Brilliant. He's a, he was mad. The day he caught the ball ever. What was that about? Pierce is in the dressing room for Stuart Pierce, where he said, I'll kill him. I'm going to kill him. Don't let me get near. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to Pierce. You don't. And I had to go on telly after. He went, fantastic yeah, sport. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I went, oh, it was wonderful. got a wall. And how often do West Ham go to Everton and win? You know, it's like a miracle, you know. Brilliant. Underline, unfortunately, not in the studio with us this morning uh, due to an early morning training session is Shamrock Rovers manager Stephen Bradley. Morning, Stephen. Morning, how are you? Good man, there you are. We have all our levels and we're flying. Okay. Uh, just out of curiosity, Stephen, uh, is it a proactive training session uh, to right some of the wrongs from Friday night? It's probably a sore subject, uh, the defeat at the Derry City, or is it just a general loosener out or to get ready for Galway tomorrow? No, it's just a normal you you there you always train obviously the day before a game and, and to make sure that the lads are fresh and ready to go, make sure any knocks we have that we can get them looked at and uh, get ready to go again for, for Galway. For Galway, great. You beat Galway two one back in March, but uh with them now they've been unbeaten in the last eight league games, I think. Uh including a, a one all draw versus Cork, nil all versus Derry, they beat Dundalk two one. Are you preparing for a different Galway United this time around? No, look, I thought Galway were, were good against us down there, you know. I think uh, people people realise how good the victory down there was now, like, you know, because they're, they're a difficult side to play against. They have a track going forward, you know. So uh, we knew they were a decent side, and um, they've, they've proved that with the results they, they've got over the fa- past few weeks. So, look, it'll be another tough game, but uh, we'll, we'll approach it like we did uh, Friday gone and, uh, and go and try and win the game. Brilliant. Uh, I've seen Rovers now a few times this season, uh, and uh, the last one being a one nil win versus Sligo and Tallis. So that's about a month ago. Uh, since then, you've had a, a few great wins, notably twice against Bowes, once versus Dundalk. Uh, 
but with seven defeats this season, is it a case that your team just needs uh, a little maturing and gelling to get that consistently f- flowing, or is there something else you can put uh, the finger on? No, I think, look, we, we need to win more games than we did in the first round of games. You know that as a group, you know, we're better than what we, what we showed in the first round in terms of uh, wins on the board, but we had a good chat and we, and we know that and we'll, we'll do everything to put that right in this round of games, but uh, it will look at the new group, like he's saying, it's a new group, so yeah. they'll only get better the longer they're together, you know, so there's, there's no uh, magic fix for that, that's so. Yeah, uh, a natural progression of, of a new group. Yeah, now I, uh, and I have to say I, I've been I've been impressed by the type of football that's been played uh, by your team. They've knocked the ball around really well. Uh, is it fair to say that just in the final third that you are maybe letting yourself down too many chances being missed? Yeah, look, we're playing some some good football. We're, we're, uh, we've missed some chances, but. You're gonna miss chances, you know. We we need to uh, be prepared to go and keep clean sheets to win games, like as a team, you know. Yeah. So we can't just point the blame up front or point the blame at the back. We've got to, as a team, uh, we either win or we lose together, like you know. So we uh, we can't say that we we're losing games because we're missing chances or we're conceding goals and, and pointing fingers. It has to be everyone together, whether we defend or attack, like you know. So uh, look, we'll, we'll get there. The lads have been really good on Friday. I thought we are really good again. Yeah, I think we're robbed of, of an eagle out. I'm watching her back now. I think it was a, a shocking decision that the goal wasn't given. So we've had little things like that go against us as well. So we just keep positive, keep doing what we're doing, and hopefully we can uh, win as more points than that. Uh, that, yeah, no, uh, I've uh, I, I I didn't see the game obviously against Derry City, but uh, I did read about it, and uh, I think it, it's a fair opinion that uh, no one actually can understand why that goal was. Uh, disallowed uh, what does the club expect from you this season like with a lot of young players is there a long term plan uh, or can a manager uh, in this day and age plan long term with the full backing of a chairman and club no look there's always been uh, a long term plan and uh, since since I've come in and we've spoken about that obviously we have to get results as well like you know you can't you can't uh, lose games and and say, oh, we have a long-term plan. You have to win games. That's that's a given. Like you know, you ask Shamrock Rovers, the biggest club in the country. You have to win games. We know that. Like you know, uh, but I think if if people are patient in terms of uh, fans and people around the club, I think you know, this this group will will bring results over time. Like you know, it just uh, that's the key word. It needs time because I think people think because we're Shamrock Rovers that we have a it's fine right to go and win games and win cups and, and leagues and everything else it doesn't work like that you know it's harder at this club because everyone wants to beat you like you know you're at a big club so everyone wants to beat you so it's uh, but given time uh, like Sean and the Michael O'Neill given time you can create something here that can go and be successful yeah absolutely Dave here Stephen how are you doing mate how are you are you okay not too bad at all you're, you're talking about obviously the bigger project there and obviously with the unveiling of the under 15 starting at the end of the summer you'll now have under 15, 17s and 19s League of Ireland, which personally for me is exciting times. And I think, would I be right in saying you are at the forefront of this potential new project for the entire League of Ireland? Yeah, well, look, we, we think it's, it's, it's a great way that the league is going in terms of uh, National League. I think it's, it's good to have the best players playing against each other week in and week out and, and it exposes uh, the players younger to, to different types and styles of football and obviously what it takes to travel and and be a professional footballer on the road, like you know, so that's good. Um, in terms of ourselves leading it, uh, look, we, I think, uh, we're trying to do things right here in terms of we're trying to build a football club and not, not just the first team to go in one league, like you know, we're trying to build an actual football club that can 
that can produce its own players and, and can be successful over a, over a period of time, like you know, um, playing a number of its own players in the fourth team that understand what it takes to, to play for Shamrock Rovers, like you know. So that's where I am, um, and that's what that's what we're gonna keep doing until we get there, like you know. Perfect, and obviously you being at the the head of the helm of this, are you going to try and obviously play a similar style or across the the under eight setup so that it's a natural progression through into the senior side or? Yeah, I think that. that uh, yeah, I think that. Look, with the, our underage teams don't have to play in an exact uh, formation, but I think uh, the principles have to be the same throughout the club, like the way we want to play. Because, like you said, when when players step up different different age groups and different levels, they not too much changes for them, like you know. So um, obviously, it becomes quicker and more physical. But in terms of our principles and how we want to approach the game and how we want to play, uh, not too much changes. So I think that's that's important, and we have that throughout the club. And obviously, with the setup that you have with yourself and Glenn Cronin at the helm, and then you've obviously got the likes of Steve McPhail, and now he's actually have signed up uh, Damien Duff to look after the under 15s. Can you honestly see Duffer going in and giving a rebel rousing speech in the in the dressing room, or is he going to be just too cool all the way? No, <laughs> you obviously don't know Damien. Damien no. is a, a very, very intense coach. Like you know, he's, yeah. um, anyone who's worked with him will tell you that. Like his attention to detail is second to none. His work rate and work ethic is, uh, you won't find anyone that works hard on Damien as a coach, like, you know. So he's in with us every day with the force team, and he has been since I've come in. So uh, I see it firsthand, uh, and I know the under 15s, what they're going to get off, and, like, you know, the, obviously the knowledge of, of what he's done in his career and what he's trying to give them. But then, obviously, the passion and the work rate, and uh, <laughs> you, won't, you won't find too yeah. many days where Damien just sits back and, and says nothing, like, you know, he's. Uh, <laughs> He's very strong opinions and, and uh, very high, high standards. Yeah, and it's, and it's fascinating for, for the guys that are going to come up because obviously it's not just going to potentially come up into your first team, but one or two might get the, the lucky chance to get away in England and to have people like yourself and Duff and McPhail and all these guys, you've been there and done it. It's a, it's a great learning experience for the guys that are potentially going to be with you is that if they do get that chance away, that you can give them the best advice possible. Yeah, it's good for the young players um, to come to the club and and have so many players around them that have played or in this league or away in, in England, like you know. So it's it's great that they can they can bounce uh, little ideas off off us or they're in a, a spot but there's so many people they can talk to and speak to about different scenarios on the pitch or off the pitch. Mm-hmm. So that's important. Um, and like you said, look, players will will go to England, of course they will, and that that will never stop. But we're hoping to give players another option where they can Absolutely. play uh, first team football, real football, very young, like you know. And I think. Uh, as you look at our team this year, the amount of young lads that have played for us and, and are thriving, like you know, obviously Alan Bulger played 16 yeah. last year. Uh, we have a lot of young players that have played for us, and obviously they're good enough to play. That's the key to it. But um, it shows that they they can play real football uh, very young if, if they're ready, like you know. Absolutely, and it's great that you're not afraid to use them. So obviously, defeat on Friday. We won't dwell on that. What is it like when you get home? Does everyone pretend to be asleep because? you're intolerable or if you have a cat does it get kicked around the place how long does it take you to get back to normal uh, well look it's, it's you it's don't have a cat to now take, you know <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, look, it's a hard one to take because we did enough yeah. more than enough to get a point up there I think uh, honestly if you see the, you'll, you'll see on Monday night it's a shocking decision by the Lions man not to give us that goal like, you know, there's no reason this level, so that's a hard one to take, like you know. Yeah. Um, but you have to move on very quickly, obviously, because you have to always so you have to go and prepare straight away and focus again. And 
and uh, give everything to go home in that game on Monday. Like you know, so that's that's usually what we do, and, and uh, that's that's why we approach it. Like you know, we try and put the bed over the weekend again, and then get ready for the next one. Great. Uh, I I don't know if you know the purpose and and the drive for the show, Steve, uh, Stephen, but it's uh, we've set up the show. Uh, we're setting up a project called Healthy Reds, and uh, it's to help uh, people who are lacking physical activity, uh, who have mental uh, health issues. Uh, and I know that you've done a couple of interviews uh, on how you were attacked in England. Uh, so, mm. could you for anyone? Who doesn't anyone who doesn't know the story? Could you just briefly go through? You don't have to go into uh, too much depth. Yeah, basically, I, I obviously moved away when I was young to, to play um, for Arsenal. Uh, I bought my own house when I was when I was really young. Uh, went out for a meal one night with uh, with friends. Came home and, and my house got uh, boggled while I was asleep. Woke up and and uh, ended up getting stabbed in the in the head and and. Uh, Twice and, and broke uh, four or five ribs and and uh, woke up in in uh, an intensive care in hospital. You know, so uh, that was was obviously a major setback for me, and it was it took me a couple of years to to come to terms with it and, and deal with it, like in terms of speaking to people. Because um, at that age and you're a young footballer, you're you're sort of too proud and and uh, you don't want to go and speak to people. You're trying to show people the front that you're okay, yeah, yeah. and, and uh, it wasn't until. I really got the courage to to um, go and speak to someone that I uh, I actually dealt with the issue, like you know, and uh, helped me move on. And not only my career, but in my life, like you know. So I thought it was very important that well, any any young footballer that I speak to, anyone not even football issues, any sort of issues, like you have to speak to speak to someone, like you know, it might yeah. be the guy next door, or it might be uh, I don't know, it could be anyone, like you know, someone. Just people open up to different people, like you know, mine was uh, a guy I knew and I trusted him, and I opened up, and, and it really helped me over over a period of time. Like you know, I really believe I hadn't done that. Uh, I was in a I was in a bad place at the time, you know, so it really helped me. Okay, and have you been? How does that? Uh, have you used that experience to help you, Chamber Crovers at all? Like with other with players, younger kids, people in the club, has that experience helped you in any way? Yeah, it has. It's, it's helped me massively in, in life in general. Like you know, in terms of, uh, like I said, opening up and, and speaking about things. Don't be too too proud to to talk like about these things. Like you know, because I think, uh, especially young footballers or young men in general, that we feel like we were uh, we can't talk. Like you know, that don't talk because the show's weak and so or, or anything like that. Where for me, that the biggest learning thing was that when I spoke to people and when we sat down and, and got it out and. Uh, dealt with how it happened, why it happened, and and basically we we have to move on at some point. Like you know, I think that was the most important bit for me. That first of all, I, I spoke to someone. Like you know, I yeah. think that's the that's the key to it. I think too many people try and hold it in, and and I uh, think they can get through on their own. And there is people that obviously can help you. Like you know, yeah, yeah, no, brilliant. Um, just the last one. In your opinion. Uh, is is there anything that the league could help improve to uh, to bring it on to the next level? I know you suffered uh, losing a couple of players to the under nineteen squad, uh, Irish squad. Uh, is, is there anything that the league could help to help improve, uh, you know, the standards in 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 its league? Yeah, I think there is. Look, I think there's there's a lot that that can be helped to improve. I think the the league, to be fair to them, are trying all, all the time to 
can improve the league. Like you know, I think they they do get a bit of speak, but I think in fairness they are trying trying their best to go and to go and help uh, clubs and teams. I think, like you said, the national league underage is, is a is a massive step forward. Like you know, I really believe it is. It's it's time for the league of Ireland clubs now to to step up and say right, let's let's try and actually have a club and not just the fourth team. Like you know, and if that means taking budget out fourth teams to to run. Help on academies. I think we should do it and get full-time people uh, uh, underage and and uh, make the best academies we can. Like you know, I think uh, we've got to start looking long-term in this country. And and there's only you can't just keep looking at the league and blaming people, blaming the league, blaming the FIO, blaming this person, that yeah, person. Absolutely. We have to look within our own clubs and think, right, how can we how can we make this work? Like you know, so I think they've made the first step and going national league of 15, 17, 19s now. As close, we've got to got to figure out a way of of uh, how we can financially do it. Like you know, and I think that's that's important. We don't just look at our team, We need to look at clubs. Yeah, no, that's no, that's, that's exactly my thought. Uh, yeah. What would um, what would you say to Shamrock Rovers fans? I know uh, I know that there was uh, a certain amount of discontent after a few of the results, as we said, about inconsistency. Uh, what would you say to Shamrock Rovers fans uh, on 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 the project that you are working on now? Oh, look, I I totally understand people's frustration with us in the in the fourth round of games. Like, when I, you, you don't bring yourself in the sand and and, and think everything is rosy. You, you yeah. totally understand that we we should have won more games. We we know that, like you know, and um, that's not getting away from that, like you know. But I think people need to understand that to do anything. Especially in, in football, like you know, it takes it takes time to get a, a, a group and a squad together. That is not I'm not talking about going and winning one league or one cup. I'm talking about that can go and be successful over a period of time. Like you know, and uh, I think that we need to be patient. Like you know, I think that's the key to. It. I think uh, I think it's shown in, in uh, football in general that chopping and change a man just doesn't work. Like you know, I think it's shown in this country in this club the last few years. Like you know, it doesn't work. So. Uh, I think, yeah, we all want success now. We all know that, but you know, we have to be patient just because our Shamrock Rovers doesn't give us a divine right to go and win games or, or, or leagues. Like, you know, we have to work harder than anyone else because we are Shamrock Rovers. So I just think patience is the key to, to this whole project. Like, you know. Um, that, no, and I, I 100%, I 100% agree with you. I, I, what I've seen uh, so far of Shamrock Rovers, uh, the football has been great. Uh, you, you can see where it's going, you can see the project. Um, so I'm 100% behind what yous are doing there and I think the whole league as a whole is starting to benefit uh, from, I think it's the vision that is going into it and Shamrock Rovers, as Dave said, is leading it. You, you may not see that, but I think uh, visually we, we see that uh, they're leading it and all I can do is wish you every success. Uh, I, I do think you're going to be a success. Thanks very much. Really appreciate that. Thanks for no the No problem. Thanks, Thanks, thanks time, very Steve. much. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. We have a, a piece on uh, sporting courses, obviously, with Mayo starting that championship journey today. And we all know about um, alleged, this alleged course that's going on in, uh, in Mayo. So we decided to have a look at sporting courses that are happening at the moment or that have been broken just to give Mayo a bit of hope. But the first thing we wanted to deal with was what is the actual uh, Mayo course because it's nothing that we were too sure of. So we asked our GA co- correspondent, uh, Wacker Foley, to... Uh, Go down to Mayo and have a little look at what it's all about because it's it's something that we did, we were, we're we're unsure of. So hopefully this educates both us and and you guys at home. So 
Uh, here's uh, Wacker's little piece. Hill 16 is doubling only. What's the story, boys? Wacker Foley in the house. Listen, I don't know what you are after doing, sending me down here. Home of our former leader, the bleeding Muppet, to find out about this bleeding course and what it's all about for this shower. Anyway, I popped down the town and wait did you hear what I got out of this bleeding muck savage. Funeral. Not while you're alive. Jesus. So anyway, I finally broke it down and what the muck savage was saying. In 1951, Mayo last won the Sam McGuire. And on their way home, enjoying a few beverages on the truck home, apparently they overtook a funeral cortege. What a funeral cortege is, I don't know. Maybe it's a four cartina. I don't know. It was 1951 anyway, and in disgust, the parish priest at the funeral placed a curse on the muckers. And he said, as long as yous are all alive, yous'll never win Sam again. So, after spending too long in this smelly kip, I have come to the conclusion that it is nothing other than mayo, a bleeding shoe. Come on, yeah, boys in blue. Come on, ye boys in blue. Whack a foley. Over and out, boys. And thank you, Whacker. Uh, <laughs> Listen, uh, I just want to apologise uh, if anyone uh, took any offence out there. Uh, all the whackers, that's not that's definitely not yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just him and on his own. <laughs> so courses are there to be broken, people of Mayo, and one such famous one, we were working on it during the week and then Paddy Power stole our thunder. Okay. And that is uh, the course of the Billy Go course at the Chicago Pub, uh, Cubs. I know you said the Chicago Pubs. Um their famous uh, baseball course where they have finally broke it last year in twenty sixteen. Uh, Paddy Power jumped on it there the other day and put up a billboard uh, Asking them, uh, what's the story? How how do we do this? And the advice uh, this for Mayo, yeah, because uh, this is getting embarrassing from Mayo, Ireland. So basically, the Chicago uh, Cubs. Wait, I nearly said it again. Uh, the Billy Go Course. Um, it's one of the most infamous courses in sports, and it began in 1945 when Chicago Cubs fan William Cianis brought his goat to Game Four of the World Series. He was kicked out and furiously claimed, furiously claimed that Cubs would never win the World Series. He's been right so far, but obviously this has changed now because he's not now. More importantly, though, how did a fan hide the goal for seven innings before being found out? Anyway, uh, he was kicked out by the owner, and on his way out, he said, as long as you won't let goats in, you'll never win the World Series. (laughs) (laughs) So this went on up until 2016, where this famous commentary can prove that it can be broken. So there you go, the Cubs win the World Series in 2016. See, they are made to be broken. But a cracking subplot uh, happened in 2004, I think, uh, with the Chicago Cubs, where a poor man called Steve Bartman uh, really further cemented the uh, the potential course that this was. And basically, a fly ball in American, in American baseball is where it goes high up in the air. And of course, the, the, the catchers usually sit underneath yeah. it. And, but some of them are on the edges of the stadium and of course fans can come in and catch them or whatever but some of them are right in the edge and the players can get in and dive and whatever and it's all legal and one such catch happened 
on this fateful night uh, where poor old Steve Bartman decided to stick his hand out on the edge and stop the outfielder from catching it and he literally yeah and he literally caught hell they lost the game lost the series and everyone's going yeah this is it we're never going to win it again but this is about 30 seconds of a clip of a documentary called Catching Hell and it's absolutely fascinating and this poor guy I'll tell you a little bit more about him in one second Fly ball to left toward the line Alou over imagining that possibility is part of the magic of baseball but for one fan the dream of making that catch turned into a nightmare he could never have imagined. And leaping up, Alou cannot make the play. And Moises is unhappy with the fans, but Moises went into the seats. He could have had that ball. A fan interfered with him. A loyal fan, a young man named Steve Bartman, who wanted to catch a ball, caught something else instead. Yes, he did, and it's called Catching Hell. And the poor guy, the fascinating thing about it, he's got a lovely Chicago Cubs hat on and he's got headphones on. So he sits down straight away and looks so sheepish. But the worst thing is, in the headphones is the commentary of the game. And there's one guy, he's a pundit. I've, seen, I've heard the commentary and you hear further on on that documentary. He is going bananas about this guy. So he's already sitting there. All the fans are abusing him. Oh, and he, and he can hear, the, he- he oh, can hear no. the pundits and the famous pe- players oh, abusing no. him as well. And it took them about an innings or two to, to take him out uh, because one or two fans obviously had the beers on. It was They were about to get him. So yeah, they had to wait until two hours after the game, change his clothes, change everything, and bring him home because they were out on the streets trying to find this poor guy. And he's never, well, I'm sure he's been seen, but he's never done any interviews, never done anything. And he, anyone who gets him anytime would because be a great scoop. At the end of that clip, it says uh, he's also caught something else. Yeah, uh, and it, that was the lead into it. It's catching hell. Oh, right, because I, I thought, you know, maybe STD or something like that. <laughs> I'm fairly sure after catching that ball, no one in the city would have touched them. <laughs> Absolutely. So they're there to be broken, everyone, just so you know. And here's another fascinating one about Birmingham City in England. They played for 100 years under an alleged course from 1906 to 2006. So as the legend goes, the club moved from nearby Munt Street into its current location at St. Andrews, building the stadium on land that was used by the Romany people. After they were forced to move, the angry Romany people put an 100-year hex on the stadium. So throughout the years, Birmingham City managers tried to remove the course, but with little success. Former manager Ron Saunders tried to banish the course in the 80s by placing crucifixes on floodlights and painting the bottom of his players' boots red. And another great manager, the legend that is Barry... (laughs) Harry Fry, who was in charge from 93 to 96, urinated in all four corners of the, of the pitch after a clairvoyant <laughs> said it would break the spell. <laughs> so on Boxing Day 2006, the curse was finally lifted. And on that day, Birmingham City celebrated a 2-1 win over QPR. And just over four years after the alleged curse, Birmingham City finally won their first major final trophy in their history, beating Arsenal 2-1 to win the League Cup at Wembley. And then got relegated in the same season, didn't they? Potentially, but don't 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 ruin it. No, this don't ruin it. This is not about So just just to let you know, guys, these (laughs) these courses are made to be broken. So there's hope for you still, but as long as the doves are still alive, yeah, yeah, you have a hope. But on looking through some of the research, I had to mention this cracking one that I seen, and this is the curse of Aaron Ramsey. So basically, long story short, online users and tabloid journalists have started to it's it's game momentum. So basically, the curse of Ramsey. The Curse of Ramsey is uh, in which celebrities die within hours of the Welsh footballer Aaron Ramsey score. What? The list at the moment is Osama Bin Laden, not so bad, Gaddafi, 
then then it gets interesting. Steve Jobs, Whitney Houston, Robin Williams, Paul Walker, David Bowie, Alan Rickman, and Nancy Reagan. Now, are these certain type of goals or any goals? Any goal he scored within within a few hours. Unfortunately, some of our beloved celebrities pass away. So we have to watch out for the match today. So anytime Aaron Ramsey scores, celebrities beware. That's unreal. So uh, here's a little. Now it's in French, but here's a commentary of his goal against Sunderland back in 2016, which unfortunately brought David Bowie's life to an end. Sunderland in championnat, c'était le cas également d'Aaron Ramsey, son quatrième but cette saison. Mais alors, quel jeu à trois C'est pas Messi, Suarez, Neymar. C'est Bellerin, Campbell et. So there you go. That's the goal there. Sadly, kill David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. So Aaron Ramsey is a is a mass serial killer of <laughs> celebrities. So there's an interesting one for any of you guys to, to have a look at. But in short, best of luck to Mayo today. Obviously, not all the way because the dub that I am. But it, they're there to be broken, so don't you worry. Sligo, isn't it? Sligo today, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not going to do anything, but anyway. <laughs> uh, good one. Good yeah, one. Well done. Not bad, wasn't Works. it? No. You're listening to Liffy Sound, www.liffysoundfm.ie. Listen online, community radio at its best. Danger, danger! If sore necks, ringing in your ears, and mosh pits are your thing, check out High Voltage with me, Dave Darcy, for all things rock, metal, and punk. Every Monday evening from 7 to 9 on Liffy Sound 96.4 FM. Danger, danger! Local programs, local presenters, local news. Tune to Lucky Sound 96.4 FM. Coming up is, we're in the final stretch now, and basically this is a segment called The Final Countdown, where we're going to just try and get through as many things as we can in five minutes. Uh, I need sporting headlines or news, or funny little, funny little teasers for you to have a think about. Here we go, Shano. Right, Liverpool or Arsenal, who's going to get that fight? Because I think City have a sewn up, so who's going to win? Uh, unfortunately, I think it's going to be Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I'm not getting into that, because <laughs> no, they're definitely going to be in. Well, you know, Liverpool, they, they can they can mess it up. They're, always. They're, so there's always that deal. Yeah. You never know. So anyway, Ireland, are we going to qualify for the World Cup? Are you confident? Uh, well, 100%. All hinges on the Austria game, do you think? Oh, we're missing Shane Long, struggling, yeah. but uh, yeah, 100%. You have to be positive. Two classic finals like with four classic teams in Europe. So who are you going to go for in the Europa League on Wednesday? United or Ajax? Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Come on. Man United, Liverpool, same prediction. They, they probably will do it, but they can easily lose. I see the doubts creep, creeping yeah, in the United no, fans is, now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And then obviously for the one on, Sun- on Saturday. Actually, it's Saturday week, I think. It's a good bit away, isn't it? Yeah, it's in June. Yeah, it's Saturday week. Uh, so it. Madrid or Juve? Uh, I'm going for Juve. Now uh, Sturdy, they, they have a they have a great uh, a great backline, but they've got the quality going forward. So absolutely, yeah, I think we're all up for Juve. So obviously, I think this is self-explanatory. But you an early bird, or do you like a lion? I, I don't think I'll say early bird I don't now, get don't a lion you? Anymore, so <laughs> it's uh, early bird, I suppose. So I suppose in the morning, then are you tea or coffee, man? It's coffee this morning. It's, oh, not, it's normally tea, but it looks like I'm going to be. And coffee. I know you love your biscuits. Are you a dunker or do you eat them on separate? Uh, I, I don't even chew anymore. <laughs> They're just in, down, gone. 
So obviously the Lions are coming up now heading to New Zealand. Do they have a realistic shot winning the series? Um, no, but they have a realistic chance of beating them once anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Maria Sharapova is not trying to mooch a, a wild card for Wimbledon, I think. So do you think she'll make it through the qualifiers? I think if she doesn't, they'll probably give her a free pass in. She seems to be getting <laughs> uh, free passes left, right and centre at the moment. So uh, To accidentally take the wrong drug. Who said looks don't matter because yeah, yeah. it's getting her everywhere. No, absolutely. So here's a couple of quick ones uh, in relation to uh, Keane. Roy or Robbie? Roy? Uh, that was a stupid one. Gallagher, Noel or Liam? No, God, that Liam's a twer. <laughs> <laughs> Duck, Daffy or Donald? Uh, Daffy. Oh, good man. Uh, Fernando Alonso is obviously in America this week. He's taking a week off from the Formula 1. Has he any realistic shot at the Indy 500? Have I completely thrown you now because you haven't a clue? Uh, yeah, he's driving, so he has a great <laughs> chance. <laughs> <laughs> McGregor or Mayweather, does he have any shot at all of look, looking, putting it up to him? Uh, well, this is my thoughts on it. Uh, you've got two people who are loud, who uh, have full of confidence. Uh, but I think McGregor puts a lot of the stuff on show. Uh, Mayweather is just a, a pure a-hole. So I think McGregor's going to do him. Oh, bold statement there. <laughs> so how long have we left, Roy? Because uh, we have the transfer rumours to quickly run down. Not that they're going to be uh, oh, fairly obvious. Yeah, we have a minute and a half. Yeah. Oh, we have a minute and a half. So some of the rumour mails that are coming through, and obviously I think this one's going to come up every week and then actually nothing's going to happen, and that City are battling out with Man United for 100 million from Neymar. Yeah, I'm surprised only 100 million. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, Will City get him? No. Will Manchester United get him? No. He's at Barcelona next year, I think. Yeah, and another great one today is that Spurs apparently are prepared to sell Kyle Walker for uh, up to at least 40 million. Yeah, well, if they get 40 million, they're, they're doing unbelievably yeah. well because uh, he's not worth 40 million. Yeah. And they don't even want them, so... Yeah. And now uh, Zidane is jumping on the bandwagon as well, and he has told Real Madrid, get out there and get me in Golo Kante. Did he? Yeah. So they want, they want another Makaleli. Yeah. They stole Makaleli. Another great story as well is uh, I think Steve Walsh, the. Oh no, somebody of uh, Chelsea, uh, Emanalo, basically said uh, after the first training session with Kante at Chelsea, uh, the players all pitched in and sent uh, Leicester a bunch of flowers to thank them for getting Angola can't they, they, they did which when they realised how good he was yeah no way there you go he is quality in fairness ah he is yeah and Pep Guardiola is going back in time as well he's uh, apparently going after Casper Schmeichel is he yeah uh, I was nearly certain that Manchester United would have went from yeah uh, getting rid of De Gea but uh, no that's interesting and obviously it's gathering pace now we were talking about ourselves a couple of weeks ago but uh, Everton apparently are willing to sell McCarthy and they're looking for anything up to 20 million with Newcastle being the favourites yeah. I'm not sure that anyone would go to Newcastle. Yeah. I well, whatever about the club, he needs to get out and start playing games. Yeah, yeah. For selfish reasons. Yeah, but I don't think And that. then last one, Chelsea are in for a struggle to keep Kante with Inter Milan money bags on the hunt. Uh, I, I don't think money's his concern. Yeah. Is it? Unless he has Just a potentially family, because apparently they're still at home in Italy, so I think that's why it's gathering momentum, this rumour. Yeah, unless, unless he has a passion for Inter Milan, I, I can't really see that happening. Okay, and that's us for this week. Uh, enjoy it, Dave. Oh, absolutely I hope everyone enjoyed it well four or five years <laughs> <laughs> four or five thousand yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um, yeah next week we will have uh, Lisa Fallon on who is match analyst for Cork City and Northern Ireland so that should be an she's one of Lucan's own is she Lucan's own well, yeah. good stuff yeah. 
Um, and uh, I think we've enjoyed the show and our first one didn't go too bad I don't no think. no absolutely no, much appreciated and uh, thanks everyone for listening and most importantly thanks very much to uh, Stephen Bradley as well much appreciated yeah brilliant okay thank you and we'll see you next week